Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. And Lord, we do. We love you. We are so thankful, Lord, that in your light and in your presence, life is not meaningless. Life is not vain. But Lord, we have purpose, purpose endowed to us by our Creator, who in your great love for us has become our Redeemer. And so, Lord, we're thankful, and we love you. We recognize that you loved us first, and so, Lord, we return. We return now to you through your Word and in the presence of your Holy Spirit to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that as we look to your word that we believe is unequivocally true, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds so that when this particular worship experience comes to an end, we would continue to worship you by the way that we live our lives everywhere we go. Make us more like Jesus, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Well, just a few months ago, in November of 2022, the president of the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention stood right here in the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Bowling Green, Kentucky, and he shared a sermon in which he made a statement that ought to reorient every single follower of Jesus in terms of our life's mission. In fact, the statement that he made ought to reorient every single church of the Lord Jesus Christ in terms of the mission to which we have been called. He asked a question to frame his statement, and that question was this, what is the world's greatest problem? What is the world's greatest problem? As we who are in the congregation mulled that question over, he gave some some possibilities, and Chip Hutchinson, in in an article published in Kentucky Today, captured some of the opportunities and the options that he gave. He said Chitwood talked about the problems in Ukraine, where deaths are in the thousands and children are taken from their homes. He talked about the 345 million people on earth at the point of starvation. And he pointed out that there are more than 100 million displaced people in the world and saying that there are more slaves in the world today than at any other time in human history. Some say that climate change is the world's biggest problem. But Hutchinson continues that Chipwood said the world's greatest problem, quote, can be summarized in one word, lostness. Chipwood said there's no greater problem. This rises above every other. It's an eternal problem. Every other problem will end the day you die. He said, there's no addiction in the grave, no family conflict in the grave. All your problems end but one. And the magnitude of that problem sets in the minute that you die. The world's greatest problem, Dr. Chitwood said, is lostness. That's become the rallying cry of the International Mission Board. We've since had missionaries who have served in Brazil for many years come and share with us in our prayer meeting, and you know what they echoed? That the world's greatest problem is lostness. The International Mission Board does research, keeping up with statistics all around the globe, keeping up with with mortality statistics, and keeping up with Christian engagement statistics. And did you know, this is according to the most recent research from the International Mission Board, that every single day, 
every single day, 157,690 human beings die separated from Jesus Christ. Every single day. You know, all morning long, we've sung about the hope of heaven, the hope of glory, the hope of presence of Almighty God, the hope of eternity with Him. And every single day around the world, 157,690 people die without that hope. Dr. Chitwood said that's why the Kentucky Baptist Convention exists. That's why the International Mission Board exists, to address that problem. And I'll add this. That's why in 1818, a group of people from Providence Knob Baptist Church way out yonder in Rockfield decided to send some folks to downtown Bowling Green to address the world's greatest problem, which is lostness. That's why we exist as a church. And that's why we have existed as a church for 205 years. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I'll tell you this. You exist to address the world's greatest problem. Now, you may say, now that's out there. I understand. I'm thinking of great cities all around the world. I'm thinking of jungles. I'm thinking of remote places where, where people need the gospel. But, but I live here in Warren County, Kentucky. And, and in Warren County, Kentucky, we're basically in the belt buckle of the Bible belt. We get it right around here. You know what's interesting? The Glen Mary Research Center did some research a few years ago. And do you know what they found at, about Warren County, Kentucky? This is self-reporting. So when people answered their questions, they were self-reporting, and they were just asking people, do you go to church on Sunday? And do you know what they found? That right here in Warren County, Kentucky, on a typical Sunday, 16% of the population is in church. Well, the U.S. Census Bureau tells us there are, uh, let's see, the U.S. Census Bureau tells us that there are currently 131,212 people living right here in Warren County. And so here's what that means. That on any given Sunday morning, right here in Warren County, Kentucky, in the belt buckle of the Bible Belt, there are 110,219 people who have something better to do than to gather with the body of Christ and worship the risen Savior. Yeah, the problem's out there. But the problem's also right here. So what are we going to do about it? If we were planted in 1818 by Providence Knob Baptist Church to address the issue of lostness, and if, and if we've existed for more than two centuries, and you and I standing upon the shoulders of all of our forebears, all who've come before us, have been called to this moment for such a time as this to live where we are, to work where we are, to be where we are, to trust and follow Jesus, the question that is begged is, what are we going to do about it? Well, the Bible's going to teach us today. The Bible's going to teach us exactly what we can do about it. So I want to invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 14 through 21. If you're here in the room in the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 966. Page 966. But I want to give you this theme today. My faith will grow as I engage lostness day by day. My faith will grow as I engage lostness day by day. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit. And I'd like for you to look with me in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, verses 14 through 16. 
The Apostle Paul writes, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Our first point today is this. Compelled by the love of Christ, I view people differently. Compelled by the love of Christ, I view people differently. And one of the most striking aspects of Jesus' ministry was its scope. He loved everybody. He even loved those people that you weren't supposed to love. He talked to those people to which you weren't supposed to talk. He engaged with people with whom he wasn't supposed to engage. I think about the lepers who were absolutely untouchable, but you know what Jesus did? He touched them. They had to cover their mouths and yell unclean when he was, when he was close to them, but he kept on going, even touching them, healing them, loving them. Demon-possessed people were unapproachable. So many times they were hurting themselves and they were hurting anybody who got close, but Jesus, he went to them and he loved them and he delivered them. Samaritans were unclean in the, in the eyes of Jew and Gentile alike, and they were unworthy. But Jesus went to them. He loved them. The, the narrative in John chapter 4 of the woman at the well in Samaria, you have Jesus engaging with someone with whom he had a gender distinction. He was a man, she was a woman, and in those days you weren't supposed to talk. He had a, a, a racial distinction. He was Jewish and she was Samaritan. Those people weren't supposed to talk. And he had a religious distinction because he was Jewish and she was Samaritan, and, and that carried with it religious connotations and, and allegiances as well. And she was antagonistic toward him. And do you know what he did? He loved her, and he approached her, and he shared with her the path to everlasting life. The rich young ruler was remarkably proud of himself and all that he had accomplished. And he treated Jesus like some sort of some sort of deliverer of a commodity. How do I inherit eternal life? What good thing must I do? Jesus could have turned away, but he loved him and told him the truth, even knowing the young man wouldn't listen and would go away sad. Nicodemus wouldn't even come talk to Jesus in the middle of the daytime. And Jesus could have rejected the meeting, saying, I don't need anybody who will not come to me in broad daylight. But instead, he met with Nicodemus, and he loved him, and he told him truth. The scope of Jesus' ministry is unbelievable. And the scope of Jesus' ministry is to be unbelievable still today. Jesus is called the friend of sinners. When he called Matthew the tax collector, the religious people gasped as he went to Matthew's house for a banquet. Why does your teacher, the religious leader said to the disciples, eat with tax collectors and sinners? And you know what Jesus said? I came to call the sick, not the, not the healthy. All you who feel like you've got it covered, y'all just go on about your business. But for anyone who will come to me admitting their need, I'll receive them. Well, if I'm in Christ, that means I've got to view people differently as well. I've got to see beyond whatever the facade is that we have to understand is the result of deception. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we don't battle against flesh and blood. What does that mean? That means human beings are not our enemies. But there are spiritual powers in the heavenly realms. There are, there are, there are demons who are, 
seeking to blind the eyes of unbelievers to the reality of Almighty God. And that is expressing itself in people's lives in horrific ways because people think that whatever it is they're getting into is the answer. And our temptation is to look at that human being as my enemy. That person is what is wrong with the world. And when I do that, I stonewall them off and so that they are unredeemable. But the one whom we trust and follow never did that, did he? He didn't. He engaged with the unlovable, the untouchable. He engaged with the ones that the world said were unredeemable. And what did he do? He gave them the message of truth, the message of life, and the message of hope in Almighty God. Now, not everybody responded in faith. The rich young ruler walked away sad. But did that stop Jesus from approaching him? No. He loved them. It's funny, James and John, they've got the nickname Boanerges, the sons of thunder. And they get it honestly. If you look in Luke chapter 9, they're going through Samaria. Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem, and they're going through Samaria, and the Samaritans don't believe him. You know what James and John say? Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever go to the Lord in prayer after you've watched the news for about 30 seconds and say, can we just call down fire from heaven and consume them, Lord? These people are never going to get it. Man, I'm glad God didn't listen when people said that about me. And I'm glad God didn't listen when he said, people said that about you. Now, you don't know how God's going to reach through whatever that rough facade is, to touch the hearts and lives of those who are right now far from God. So give me an example. Well, there was this guy named Saul, and he was breathing murderous threats against God's people, standing there giving assent as the first Christian martyr died of being bludgeoned to death by stones, going to arrest as many Christian men, women, and children as he could find, and God stopped him. What did God do with Saul of Tarsus? Well, we know him as the Apostle Paul who wrote a third of the New Testament and took the gospel to the ends of the known world at that time. Don't ever look at a human being and say, God couldn't reach that one. Because if God can reach you and if God can reach me, then he can reach that one too. Compelled by the love of Christ, I view people differently. Now, verses 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Our second point. As a new creation in Christ... I realize what God has done for me. As a new creation in Christ, I realize what God has done for me. Through Christ, God has reconciled a sinner like me. He has forgiven me of my sin, and he has brought me into the family of God. He has cleansed me, separating my sin from me as far as the east is from the west. I never get more nervous than when I look out over the congregation and see somebody I went to high school with. You know why? 
because they know. And my heartbeat goes a little faster, and I get a little concerned. Why? Because I haven't always been Pastor Jeff. And you always haven't been, I come to the corner of 12th and Chestnut as a follower of Jesus at the First Baptist Church, right? I know what God's done for me. One of those beautiful days here. This was very early on in my time here. This was in 2016, and we had a huge snow day. I mean, the world shut down, but we stayed open. I was so thankful for our team. But that day, Mike Jones, who's sitting back there in the back corner, was supposed to share his testimony, and he shocked the world God orchestrated it so that everybody was home from church that day because most of the church is closed. So they just happened to turn on WBKO, and Mike Jones stood up here, and he, who was the pastor or the, the son of our first minister of music, shared that he wasn't perfect either. He shared some of the struggles that he had faced. And Mike, jaws dropped open. But it was so beautiful. By sharing what God had done in him, Mike was inviting the possibility of what God might do in you. He says this. This is Mike Jones. By the way, if you come to Celebrate Recovery every Tuesday night, he's here. He leads that ministry. And if you don't come to Celebrate Recovery and you have hurt habits or hang-ups, you're welcome to come. By the way, that's all of us. Mike says, why do we put ourselves through so much to get to know God? Countless bad decisions, self-inflicted pain, and poor judgment will lead you rapidly down the path where you will hit rock bottom. Rock bottom is where you have nowhere else to turn. It's where you're out of ideas and out of strength. This is where you find Him and truly get to know Him. This is where you learn to praise and worship, where you learn to pray and love. This is where you find hope and purpose. This is where eternal life begins. It's all about the relationship Come and join in the song of all the redeemed. I know what God's done for me. But now look with me at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Our third point, as a new creation in Christ, I know what God can do for others. As a new creation in Christ, I know what God can do for others. You might wonder what compels people to serve the Lord as they do. Linda Willis was one of my son's first Bible study teachers right here at First Baptist Church. And she taught him alongside uh, Polly Blackerby the truths of the faith, and it was beautiful. But she says this, to me, lostness is one when one has no relationship with Almighty God who is their creator. When one does not ask Jesus to rescue them from their sin, they're lost. One is empty, searching for hope to get peace, accepting God's love and asking for forgiveness. One can have purpose and a future in his heavenly kingdom. I know what God's done for me, and that means I know what he can do for you. Because if he can save me, then he can save you. If he can change me, then he can change you. I know that from experience. I'm an ambassador for Christ here to tell you. Stuart Hamlin wrote, it is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. And now look at one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, verse 21. For our sake, he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, 
to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our fourth and final point. As a new creation in Christ, I live in grateful obedience to God. Galen Ball, who serves our church in so many different ways. His wife's up here singing in the choir today. Galen said, spreading the news of Jesus Christ is most rewarding when those who without the Lord come to know him and share that daily through the grace, the way we live the Christian life. I've always known that actions speak louder than words, but recently I was reminded of how important our testimony is. I had an acquaintance drive to my house to tell me after working with him 35 years earlier in my life that living my life in Christ's example daily led him to the Lord. When we become a Christian, how can we live our Christian lives and not be like Christ? People all around us need Jesus, and we need to serve the Lord through our loving actions daily. Isn't that beautiful? So you may ask the question, if lostness is that bad, more than 150,000 people die in our world every single day apart from Christ and go to hell. What's God doing about it? Find a mirror. You're what he's doing about it, believer in Jesus. One of our college students who's getting ready to graduate, Logan Majors, he's a leader in many capacities, but he was the president of his Bike for Alzheimer's group that came all the way across the, the country this past summer. Logan's a part of our college ministry, and he said, when I think of evangelism, I think one of the most important things we can do is to look at where our feet are at to ask ourselves, where am I planted right now, and how can I allow God to work through me in sharing the gospel to those in a lost and dying world? Understanding that there is a divine purpose in our spheres of influence. There's divine reasoning that I have a class with this someone, or go to work with this person, or see that stranger in the store. Once our eyes are open to our personal mission field, we must strive to be obedient daily to share the message of Jesus to those around us like their life depends on it, because it does. You know, we believe that sinners die and go to hell. And the Bible says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Apostle Paul who wrote this identified himself as the chief of sinners. So as Brother Ricky said earlier in the service, none of us stands and say, look at how worthy of heaven I am. No. We come to God with empty hands. Our, our righteous deeds, even before Almighty God, is filthy rags. We say, Lord, I have nothing to offer you but my sinful, ragged self. And do you know what our God says? Come on home. Jesus paid it all at the cross. And when we receive Jesus Christ, repenting of our sin and surrendering our, our lives to Jesus, that payment is applied to our account. Our debt is wiped clean. Our sin is separated from us as far as the east is, is from the west. We are adopted by God's grace into the family of God, and we are called His child. We have hope for eternal life in Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry about hell anymore for our own lives, but then we are commissioned to carry the message to everybody who will listen. Because there's a lot of people who are going to die without Christ, and that's hellish 
when his arms are open to say, come. So what do we do? We engage lostness because that's exactly what God has put us here to do. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.